welcome everybody to a very special All About Symbian Insight podcast. This is number 243. We're recording this on Saturday, the 5th of October, 2013. You might hear this a day or two later. Um, hi to Rafe Blanford, I guess I should say. Yes, hello everybody. Yeah, despite saying we were winding down the podcast, we've actually managed to record this one, I think just a fortnight after the last one, but as uh, Steve was hinting at there, there's a, a slightly special reason for doing so, because we wanted to share some of our thoughts on the news that's just come out. Yes, yes. Now, in slightly West Wing fashion, uh, <laughs> um, releasing this news late on uh, Friday e- afternoon stroke evening, Nokia sent an email to all their developer network uh, for Symbian and Migo, basically saying they're going to not accept any new content in the Nokia store, any, after January the 1st, 2014, which is just three months' time. And that, so that's not just new applications, that's updates to existing applications I'll just read a few quotes from the email. He says, with the growing business opportunities available on the Asher and Windows platforms, we've been reviewing our developer content programs to see how we can maximize our support to you, our developers. As a result of this review, dot, 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 over the next few months, we'll be transitioning our active developer support away from Symbian Amigo. Um, If you have existing content in the store, it will continue to be available for downloads. That's existing versions, existing SIS files as is. Um, And you will continue to receive download and revenue reports as well as payouts. But starting January the 1st, 2014, you will no longer be able to publish any new content or update existing content for Symbian and Migo. So I guess b- before I go into <laughs> what might happen in the future and the way forward for everybody, I guess we should just get your uh, reaction, Rafe. Well, it's a, an interesting one. We kind of got a preview of this with the themes, um, not accepting yeah. new theme content. And I was kind of wondering when this was going to happen you know, when we had that announcement, I, I honestly thought it would be a little bit later on, sort of well into 2014, and I thought there might be a distinction between uh, new updates, uh, new apps and updated applications. Yeah. Uh, and so part of me goes, I'm not really that surprised, but uh, another part of me goes, it seems like kind of the next stage in, the, not the mishandling exactly, but sort of the communication of this could have been better and the handling of it could have been better in winding down Symbian. I think everyone you know, accepts that Symbian's come to the end of its life and this kind of thing was going to happen, but it needs to be managed and done in a time fashion that sort of irritates users as little as possible. And I, I can't help but feel that this feels you know, a bit early to me, as I say, particularly for updates, and maybe we'll get onto that. I mean, one of the interesting things here also is that because of the way uh, Symbian apps work, there's a certain amount of signing and certification needed in some circumstances. Now, you can self-sign apps and sort of have a, a dialogue that appears when you install a sys file that sort of go, is it okay to install this? And you just go yes to it. Uh, yeah. And there, But there are some apps that actually require certain capabilities. Uh, we won't go into the technical details, but it tends to be things around integrating more deeply with the system uh, or that are doing things that have a security risk attached to them. And what it means is, really, the Symbian signing is something that is done through the Nokia store at the moment. It used to be kind of independent of the, the store distribution system. So that also means it's not going to be possible for developers who are developing, if you like, these subset of apps to actually release them at all because it won't be possible to get them signed. We haven't got exact confirmation of that, but I'm pretty sure that will be the case. I mean, theoretically, you might be able to get it signed uh, if you go and talk to Nokia nicely, or there may be some kind of a signing authority outside, but honestly, I I doubt it. 
Um, so that means you're going to be limited to new self-signed apps. And this is stuff outside of the Nokia store distribution network. Because, you know, obviously it doesn't stop developers creating, uh, you know, their own apps, you know, new or updates and distributing outside the Nokia store. But there's going to be a limit to that as well. And so I think that's also you know, quite a serious issue just to, to bear in mind. So it's not just about Nokia store. And so that's also... Uh, a shame. I mean, in one sense, you could breathe a sigh of relief that uh, Simeon does actually allow pretty easy side loading of apps and content. You look at some of the other platforms where that's that's not the case. Um, Windows yeah. Phone being an obvious example, or Apple as well. Android obviously does allow side loading, but even that, it, it, it's not quite so smooth, especially on the commercial side of things. Um, and I think, special case of all of that, it does kind of inform a discussion about you know, when you talk about an operating system coming to the end of its life, it used to not be an issue so much, you know, Steve will know from the Sundays that that you know, continued for a long time. And I guess it's still quietly in the background for uh, maybe a few thousand people even today. But yeah. these modern operating systems that are more reliant on their ecosystem and tied into services. And the same goes for certain types of applications that rely on a server in the background or something, you know, you can almost die off more quickly um, so that's getting rather off the topic, but my, my, my kind of gut reaction was, oh, couldn't they have just waited, you know, another year? Um, we'll, we'll talk about why they maybe haven't waited in a little bit. But, um, I mean, was your feeling that this was a little bit premature, Steve? Absolutely. And I, I, I laid into them in the news story, basically, <laughs> laid into Nokia and, well, I guess, and Microsoft as well, going to be soon part of the same team because Nokia had promised and Microsoft had said, yes, we'll honour Nokia's promises to, quote, support Symbian until 2016. Now, I would have guessed that support, at the very least, meant that um, application developers with existing applications in their own Nokia store, they could at least submit bug fixes, updates, and compatibility updates. I would have thought that would be the bare minimum. It wouldn't involve that much effort from Nokia just to have one or two people just approving updates, checking they weren't malicious. It's not that big a deal. I can understand them saying, okay, no more new content. Look, we want to minimize the workload. We haven't got that many staff available to work on the Symbian side of things, but surely, surely, um, support for 2016 should have included application updates. And I should mention before you leap in, Rafe, that <laughs> we have actually reached out to Nokia for comment on this officially, at least I have, and if they reply I, with an official reply, I will, of course, paste it into the story or start up a new, new story. But I, there's a, a kind of a hope that Nokia will change the mind on updates. There are some threads on Nokia discussions as well, pointing out the possible security risks of having these old stroke possibly broken applications in the Nokia store after January. And maybe Nokia will just see sense here, I think. Uh, that's always going to be a possibility. I think the trouble here, the, the cost of doing uh, app updates probably isn't that much uh, less than you know, also allowing new apps to come in. Although possibly it's one way of decreasing the volume so that, as you say, just uh, one yeah. or two people could handle that quality assurance side of things. Uh, and obviously, you know, people might go, oh, can't they just you know, put them in the store without any quality? No, you can't do that. You, you do have to have the checks. Um, and there are going to be, you know, still the possibility of getting stuff outside the store framework if that's what you want to do. But I think for, for any developer, I mean, quite realistically, we'll say trying to distribute yourself doesn't work you know one thing that app stores have you know, kind of proved is that centrally distributed model is the only one that really works for doing a, a sustainable business model on smartphones unless you've got you know a very specialist application where you're maybe selling to a small subset of users the, the support for 26 2016 thing was inevitably going to come up i think there's a you know the obvious answer from nokia kind of putting on the uh, alternative hat here is to go 
well, they're going to continue to allow you to download things from the Nokia store. It's just you're not going to see new apps or updates. And honestly, I think the number of people actively downloading Symbian apps now has, you know, massively reduced. Um, You know, kind of the active Symbian devices out there is still a bigger number and people could probably quite easily argue it's it's more than Windows Phone, although I think the crossover point's probably coming quite soon. But I would guess the number of people actively downloading apps is relatively small. We've had a few developers share some numbers in the thread, you know, talking about 15,000 downloads over across a couple of apps in the store. Uh, and if you think about those numbers, it, you then reduce it even more the ones who will kind of notice the fact they're not getting updates or new apps. And you know, I'm reluctant to put a number on it because we've got no basis. But Steve and I were talking about this beforehand and we're saying maybe 100,000. Um, I would say that people who are actually going to notice this and sort of actively be annoyed by it, if you like, might even be uh, smaller than that. But uh I can perfectly understand the frustration with people going, but wasn't it going to be supported to 2016? I suppose that depends what uh, how you define support. And as I say, it looks like uh, Nokia Store, you'll still be able to download apps, and so it's supported in that sense. And of course, you know the support really applies from a legal point of view to the the warranties that come with phones. You know, SIM devices effectively no longer being sold, at least not brand new ones. There are, are a few left in the shop and retail channels, but to all intents and purposes, it's probably gone down to uh, i wouldn't like to guess but certainly well below a hundred thousand in the you know quarter coming up and so that support for for warranty that's still in place you know if your phone phone breaks within that time you'll either get it repaired or possibly replaced with a windows phone device which depending on your point of view might be a bit of a horror story in itself um you know i don't wish to defend Nokia too much here but I think you have to be realistic about what support was going to involve and I always thought it was kind of unlikely that every bit of it you know all the kind of infrastructure would survive until that 2016 date um, but I'm, I'm quite happy to say I do think this was you know, a little bit on the premature side I mean putting a you know, date out there I, I think if this had happened in a year's time you know i.e. the 1st of January 2015 yeah, there'd have probably yeah. been much less fuss about it um, yeah we don't have access to kind of the active user numbers or anything like that. So it's really quite hard to assess it. I mean, I personally would say that the reason it's happened now is Nokia has gone, you know, the cost in continuing to maintain this is more than any cost that will be associated with annoying people by withdrawing it. Um, and presumably they've checked any legal implications or anything like that where they're obliged to continue supporting it. As I said, I don't think there is anything there. If you look at the warranty information, it's all around device hardware rather than specific yeah. uh, third-party app provision uh, there may be some for services around maps and things that come with the phone um, i'm not a legal expert so I'd, I'd have to check or maybe someone can let us know if they uh, know a bit more around that area it'll be different in every country in any case uh, so it's it sort of there's understandable frustration it's great to see there's already i think 150 comments on all about simping about this and as you know, I'm playing deliberately. Steve has got given the kind of the outrage Symbian news. So I'm trying to put the other side of view, but it's pretty difficult when I'm sitting there going, yeah, I certainly wouldn't have done it if I, I'd been in charge. I'm just trying to provide the you know, alternative view that relatively small numbers actually impacted by this. And, you know, at some point, you know, Nokia does have to switch this stuff off 
And if they're having to pay a team of, I don't know, 10 people to continue this and by switching off, they can you know, save that, that bit of money. And they think that, you know, honestly, the people that they're really annoyed by this and so who will say, I'm never going to buy a Nokia device. I suspect they would have probably never bought a Nokia device again anyway. And, you know, the kind of, uh, it's not really the straw that broke the camel's back. The camel's back was broken when the Nokia announced that they were not continuing with Symbian devices on February the 11th and all the subsequent stuff after that. Yeah, yeah. Now, we're hoping, of course, there is a possibility that Nokia will relent, at least on the application updates, if enough people mention it in enough forums and enough, enough comments and all yeah. about Symbian. I mean, so, should, should we say why updates are important, Steve? Because I yes. think there's probably just a lot of apps, it really doesn't matter, um, you know, things like games. But there are a particular class of apps, you know, would you, would you say it's really the internet service apps like Twitter and Facebook, thinking about things like FMOBI, for example, which have had a great track record of issuing updates in order to keep working with the Facebook login and the APIs. Absolutely, and NoteKeeper and Tweetian and QTube. And there, there are probably no more, actually, than about 20 or 30 applications, but they all liaise with internet services, which legendarily change their APIs almost just on, on a whim. <laughs> and the poor application developers across the net on all mobile platforms all have to scramble to try and fix their applications and get them working again. And if the application updates aren't allowed after January the 1st, then those apps cannot be fixed, at least not as distributed through the, the Nokia store. There's also security implications. What if they find that um, certain applications have um, security bugs or cause problems further down the line or cause problems with the user's account? Those can't be fixed. Uh, what if they just find critical bugs that basically render the application, oh, no, it's now not working properly, and I, I wish I could just push that final update through to the store, but I can't because it's all been cut off. And I, there are... Uh, Probably no more than 50 to 100 applications for which that perhaps applies now. But those are arguably 50 to 100 of the best Symbian apps out there, which is why it's caused uh, something of a cause for concern. Yeah, I, I'd agree. I mean, I would put probably maybe uh, 10 to 20 percent of what you might call those critical apps, a really popular one, could arguably be frustrated by not being able to do these updates. For the other ones, probably not a big deal. And a lot of developers, of course, are no longer providing updates um, now, some of that can be got round uh, by, you know, providing an update outside the Nokia store, uh, leaving aside the certification issue. But of course, that's never going to reach all the users um, and it's not really an optimum solution. Uh, I did comment in the comment thread that maybe developers could submit one final update whereby they had a mechanism that provided an update route outside of uh, the Nokia store. But yeah. one of the developers quite rightly jumped in and said, ah, but the uh, policies of the Nokia store don't allow that. You're not allowed to link out to external content. Um, there's a few few more comments in the thread about that. So that's not necessarily going to be a workable solution. I suspect if um, a few of those updates went through, it might get missed by quality assurance. So it, it might be a viable solution. <laughs> but, you know, we're, we're kind of talking about workarounds here. And, yeah. you know, this impact is still going to happen and still going to frustrate a lot of people. Yeah, assuming that things don't change, that this this um, cessation of updates uh, in the store does come to place, then then what's the, what the way forward as I see it? Um, I, I would hope that commercial developers, if if, they, if they're determined to carry on making money, and I suspect most of them are, are going to make, I've already made as much money as they're going to make from Symbian users at this point in time. Surely there are not that many more new sales out there. Um, 
I guess they could set themselves up on a third party site or you just use PayPal or any one of the other um, e-commerce sites to, to handle the transfer of the money and then send in the user the SIS file or whatever. I would hope that a lot of developers would take the altruistic view and think, okay, well, Symbian's uh, effectively in its latter years. I've made my money and we have this huge um, deadline looming up. I'm going to make my application freeware as of, say, November the 1st. Give Nokia plenty of time to approve it in the store. Nokia will then sign it. They, the developer and everybody else can then do the slash download trick to download the SIS file. And we, everybody then has a fully signed up um, SIS file. And as if you add in your solution of having a, an auto-update mechanism as well, which doubtless will get missed by the QA because there aren't any QA people because they're cutting down, <laughs> then hopefully you know, we could have a whole vibrant, well, not vibrant, but <laughs> a reasonably workable set of Symbian previously commercial apps, now freeware and with auto-updating built in, either for discovery through the existing download in the store and also um, for, for download and putting up on websites, the developer's website or, or listings like on All About Symbian or My Own 3Lib. Yeah, I mean, that would be the ideal scenario. I mean, I think the only note of caution I'd add in there, every time you you know ha- ha- take a step and be that you know auto-updating code or submitting one more time to the Nokia store or making it freeware, and the various other things there, you're going to have drop-off. Some people aren't going to do it. I mean, some developers, I suspect, have already effectively abandoned their apps, and they're still listed in the Nokia store, but they're never going to do anything to them, and they're not going to make them available free. Uh, if you're a developer listening to this, um, you know, please consider it. Uh, or, you know, as, as you say, set up a, an alternative way of taking payment. But again, with that process, you're going to have someone drop out you know each one of those is a barrier that has to be hopped over if you like and so by the time you get to the end i suspect the proportion of apps that actually go through one of those processes or the other is going to be relatively small versus the number of apps in the store but let's hope that you know some of the key apps or you know the most popular ones that the ones that are downloaded or bought the most you know do do make the effort to go through that process and if you're a developer listening to this and don't want to host the sys file yourself or you know there's some other reason please do get in contact, send us a sys file and we'll happily uh, host it ourselves uh, if that's what you want us to do. Yeah, and the people will have noticed my numerous links across to my own uh, idea, which I had three or four months ago, really, to a creator. I got so utterly fed up with the amount of junk that was creeping into not just the Nokia store, but also the other mobile app stores. But I thought, well, I can do something about it in the Symbian world, because unlike the Apple and um, Android worlds. I'm not talking about um, whatever it is, 500,000 applications here. I'm probably only talking about a, a pool of uh, probably t- t- five to 10,000 apps at, at most applications. And I was able to whittle those down by, with a bit of help from the community, to about 200 applications and about 200 games, which I consider the, the very best, the ones that you'd recommend to your friends, the ones that are worth caring about. And, of course, that list is never going to be completely complete, but I've had a go, and people can see them on the various links. Now, at the moment, I've got links through to the... For each title, I've got links to the original download page, which is normally the Nokia store. In a couple of places, it isn't, but it normally is. And also, whether it's freeware or not, and a link to our review or our coverage or the last thing we did on All About Symbians. They've got some kind of context for the application. And over the next few months, certainly for freeware... I'm going to start putting up a, down, a separate, standalone download link, which will link to the downloads folder uh, for that file on the All About Symbian server. So people will have the original Nokia store if they want to go to that link, or even whether it's before or after January the 1st, 
and they'll have review material and they'll have a possible separate download link for the SIS file as well. So we're going to start doing what we can. The, the, the curated lists I've got up there on 3Lib, they're kind of draft and temporary. They're going to be added to, certainly, lots and lots of more download links need to be added. It's, it's a work in progress. Um, at some point, we may even merge it in with the stuff on All About Symbian, uh, Rafe. I, I guess that might make sense in the long term. Yeah, I mean, probably just an ease of finding or we'll certainly provide some links from All About Symbian um, or do some duplication. We haven't worked out the details of that. I mean, if you've got some input as to what you would like to see us do, you know, please get in touch by email or any of the other channels and we'll happily listen to ideas. I mean, we've already had a few people talking about would it be possible to you know, have a, a community-managed app store. I, I think in an ideal world, that would be great. Uh, but because of some of the issues we've talked about already for example, uh, signing and certification, I don't think it's realistic that that's going to be uh, given up by Nokia to the community. I just I think there's too much involved there. Those who have uh, kind of followed the travails of the uh, MIMO or MIMO.org community will understand that you know, getting that kind of action from a big company is difficult. And I, I honestly, I think the amount of effort required versus the return probably means it's not worthwhile. I mean, if someone wants to take on that project, great, and we'll certainly... Uh, do what we can to support them in terms of letting people know about it. And of course, there'll then be the creation of an app store app and all that kind of thing. That may be a, a slightly more realistic proposition, especially if it's just limited to, uh, you know, freeware or self-signed stuff or you know, yeah. approved by developers. Um, so we'll have to wait and see on that. But all of that requires a lot of work. I think realistically, you know, a web-based listing of apps is probably the most uh, you know, the easiest way to do it, it requires less effort and you know, we'll get you 90% of the way, way there in terms of you know, people being able to uh, download and install those kind of critical applications that we're talking about. Yeah, I mean, most of the hassle in the mobile app world uh, has been for years. Most of the hassle has been to do with payment and how do you cope with um, charging people for applications and then getting a cut of that that money to the developers. And that is a, a headache in itself. But once you've got to this stage in an application's life where virtually everything is free or could be free, then that, that actually takes an awful lot of the hassle out of it. It simply becomes a discovery um, problem. And the discovery problem is something that we can at least address. Yeah, and no, that's something it's probably easier for all about Symbian. I mean, if you type Symbian into Google, I think we're still one of the uh, top results. I think there are things we'd have to think about making it easy to install them from a, a Symbian device. So that's obviously have a, a mobile version of the web page or at least have something that formats, you know, for easy download links uh, within the Symbian browser because that, that seems to me kind of the obvious way to do it. Although, um, each way you might download from your PC and do the, the side loading process. All that's going to be realistic. As I say, we'd be happy to hear some feedback from people about you know, what they think would be the best way for them and whether they'd like to contribute CIS files, uh, particularly from developers, that is. And uh, as I say, if you're a commercial developer that's you know, deciding to make your app free, well, I think you really should consider it um, and you'd get a lot of thanks from the community. And if you don't want to have the hassle of hosting that all yourself, uh, certainly something that we can handle. There's plenty of space on the uh, server for a few more sys files. Yeah, yeah. so this story will run and run, I suspect. But do watch the front page of the site because if Nokia get back to us or if something changes or they have a change of fart, we will, of course, um, re report back. And, uh, of course, I'll carry on working on the various directories and I shall try and put some time on it. Yeah, we'll, we'll have a think about this one. Uh, you can probably tell we're still reacting uh, to the piece of news, uh, but... There's clearly a, a few things that we can do. So while I'm sure there's a bit of despair and gloom out there, uh, I, I would avoid fretting too much because actually I think 
in the end, the impact of this will be relatively limited in that it's going to apply to a few applications. Now, they may be critical to you, but bear in mind there are other ways of using those services, using the mobile web versions, for example. Um, But the majority of applications are obviously going to continue to be available, and I wouldn't be at all surprised if quite a few developers choose to publish updates themselves. But uh, kind of watch this space because it's an interesting topic, and as as Steve said, we may well get some more developments over the next few weeks. Just just working tangentially off this entire topic, I did have an idea for a feature, which I've had an idea had the idea for a while, but this has kind of brought it to a head, is to um, create an a working Symbian installation on a smartphone like the A08 that involves doesn't involve Nokia at all. In other words, I, I'm going to use custom firmware. So this obviously Nokia's original software, which has been tweaked and modified and stri- stretched and pulled and added to, and then on top of that, to only install and provide links for the community to applications which have direct downloads that don't involve the Nokia store. Now, I guess such a feature might be a bit premature at this stage in September, but uh, certainly as we get closer to January, I think the idea for that kind of feature where you'd say, okay, let's just leave Nokia out of it. Whether Microsoft buys them or not, whether they've got anyone less still, you know, keeping the power on the various computers and servers, leaving them completely out of it. What's available now from other sites, other servers, in terms of installers, custom firmware, and the hardware I already own, to create my own working installation with all the bits I need. And I think that might be quite an interesting feature. Yeah, it would be. I think it'd be quite a challenge because I think people sometimes forget how much you, you do end up getting from Nokia. I mean, it's things like the Maps apps, for example, where there are a couple of alternatives out there. Um, some of the third-party GPS uh, providers uh, spring to mind. Um, but also, you know, there's plenty of other apps. I mean, Internet Radio is, I think, another Nokia app that is potentially going to have an issue in the future because uh, it, it relies at least partly on a server-side directory. We've just had the same thing happen with podcasting. So yeah, it's an intriguing possibility, kind of being able to set up a, a Symbian device completely independent of any dependencies on that kind of thing would be uh, in terms of the feature. I suspect it might take you a while to get through all of that, but yeah, maybe uh, something in the new year so we can have a, a feature so that if someone does reset their Symbian device, they've uh, got a tutorial to follow. Oh, people love my 500-step tutorials. They, they do. <laughs> uh, well, we get more feed- feedback about your, uh, I'm just trying to remember the name, when you uh, pimp your phone, I think, is the uh, phrasing that you use, which has always uh, struck me as uh, slightly worrying, but then it turns out to be quite innocuous when I do <laughs> read it. Yeah, well, I was just following the format of the TV series, basically. <laughs> and one final thing before we finish, Ray, just to, to mention that, uh, of course, we ran all about windowsphone.com as well. And uh, we've both got both 80, Nokia 808 running Symbian and 1020s now running Windows Phone, both with a pretty similar camera if you just sort of balance all the pros and cons. And I, I, I guess we should get um, your first reaction to the 1020 because you only had it uh, so a week or so ago um but don't go all window windows phone on us Ray. just give us the <laughs> comparison to the the 808 in, in your personal opinion how would you rate the two devices against each other my my personal opinion is if i'm using the device there's not a lot of difference between them um in the so out quality of the output now there are some quite subtle differences and i think you've talked about this in detail yeah. and it essentially comes down to the fact that the 808 does less processing so in one sense has a, a purer output but the 1020 tends to add in a bit more vibrancy i think you've mentioned if you use the 808 settings you can kind of put those in the extra vibrancy the extra saturation and yep. i think that often results in a more pleasing to the eye photograph even if it's not always accurate to what you're you're shooting 
there are some things that the 1020 is better at. Um, I would particularly think of things like fill in flash has been my experience and for doing uh, kind of macro photography, it seems to be better than the A to eight. But as an actual piece of camera equipment, and if you really know what you're doing, the A to eight probably is just superior to the 1020. Now there isn't a lot in it. Um, and you know, that's one element. But what I will say about the 1020 you know, on the other side of the argument is that actually sharing photographs and then doing things with the photographs afterwards, particularly the reframing that we've also talked about on the podcast, but also emailing them off to people, uploading them to cloud services, even doing editing. I think there's more options on the Windows phone device. And so that's since I found myself kind of using and sending off and sharing and kind of taking advantage of the fact I've taken this great photo and then doing something with it more with the um, intent to insert. It it feels like more of a connected camera to use that kind of catch-all phrase. Uh, It's not that the 808 didn't do it. It it did. And I think anyone who's used it would have uploaded things to Flickr or shared them to Twitter or email. I just find the whole process easier. Now, I don't know how much that is. I've, I've become more familiar with the Windows Phone way of doing things than kind of the earlier devices. But I think it's partly also, it does just tend to be a few menu clicks and you can have uploads going in the background. You know, for example, everything's uploaded to SkyDrive. It's then very easy to look at the photos and show them to other people on a laptop or a computer or something else. Um, there are some things you miss, you know, for example, the HDMI outport, you know, I think the vast majority of people probably don't use it, but if you do want to show photos off on the TV, uh, it's not so easy on the 1020. You know, you've got an app called Photo Beamer that kind of lets you do it, and there's UPnP support that also lets you do it, but it's not really as convenient as just plugging in a HDMI cable. So, you know, checks and balances both ways. What ultimately wins uh, on the 1020 for me is the rest of the smartphone experience is better um, than on the Symbian devices. Uh, so I guess the summary of that is if you are still looking for the ultimate camera and you really know what you're doing and um, you have to assess that yourself. I mean, I, I wouldn't say I'm a total amateur when it comes to using a camera, but you know, I know how to play with the settings and frame things properly and consider lighting. Uh, but the majority of the time, I wouldn't be able to choose very easily between the two outputs. I mean, you can pretty much all the time recognize which is which because of that processing I talked about at the beginning. Um, but they both produce, you know, results that are way ahead of their competition. And that's what stands out for me. You know, uh, actually I was comparing it with the 925, which is another Windows phone device, which I guess you could say uh, it's not like the N8, because I think the N8 probably has an advantage over the 925, but uh, it's similar in the smartphone experience and the the auxiliary experiences. Um, And the 1020, produces notably better photos but i've become maybe a little less fussy it's good enough photos and the 925 does well for in that respect so it's interesting it's that same decision people said actually the n8 is good enough for me i don't need the 808 and the 1020 feels a little bit like that for me Um, the one thing i will say I think a lot of people really like the design of the 808, but it was a bit chunky. The 1020 has, you know, a bigger screen, uh, but feels like a less chunky device. I mean, there's still a camera hump on the back, and I do like the kind of the pure design that they've sort of gone with. It's you know, basically the evolution of the Fabula design language that was used in the N9, and it's particularly things like the coating on the screen, which makes it very easy to use as a touchscreen device, easier than the 808, I, I should add, and a kind of a very 
pure back. I mean, it's described as having nothing that doesn't need to be there by the Nokia designers. And honestly, they're quite right, and the texture of it feels nice. And so just as a object sitting in the hand, I think the 1020 has a, a superior design, but it does feel less like a camera, at least until you put a camera grip accessory on it. So I can perfectly understand people going, actually, I prefer the 808 design. And kind of, you know, that surprised me a little bit that, you know, at the end of the day, the 808 and the 1020, I don't really think there's much to split them on the camera department. You can argue it one way or the other, depending on your point of view and what you use it for. It will come down to what you use the rest of the smartphone for. And I think, well, there's, yeah, yeah. you know, a, an arguable point to be made that the Symbian device for some people will provide an optimum experience. I think the vast majority of people will find Windows Phone the better experience just because it's a few more years on in the smartphone world. The idea of, you know, browsers and email and that content consumption, for want of a better word, being more centric or, as I've kind of explained yeah. it before, the smart bit rather than the phone bit that you had on, on the 808. But, you know, don't let anyone say to you if you're an 808 owner, oh, you have to upgrade to the 1020. No, you don't. Uh, if you want an 808-like device running Windows Phone with a operating system that is effectively the modern smartphone experience, absolutely, it's, it's the device for you. If you're happy, you might want to wait a bit because I'm pretty sure that, that technology is going to come up again in other devices. I mean, we've just seen in a comparison you did on the site, Steve, with the uh, Sony uh, Xperia Z1, you kind of suggested yeah. that's getting towards what Nokia are doing with PureView. It's not matching it, and I'm sure other manufacturers will follow in due course. As we said, when the 808 launched, it's probably two or three years ahead of anyone else, and so so that's been proved. But Nokia is also going to do other imaging-centric devices. I mean, I think we're going to see devices that fit halfway between kind of the 920 or the um, and the 1020, or if you like, the N8 and the 808. And I'm sure there'll be another camera-centric device uh, next year that will be running on a quad core and you know more specifications because the one thing about the 1020 is it does feel like it's running on like a lot of the symbian devices did actually it feels like it's running on a hardware family that's just ever so slightly out of date it should have been on the next generation it should have been on quad core and that has resulted in some performance issues um it, I, I've never noticed them because of the way I tend to shoot with a camera phone. I'm not doing multiple shots one after another. I think it depends what you're shooting. And I don't find the lag times uh, an issue at all. Maybe I would if they weren't there. Uh, but anyway, the consequence of this hardware stuff is that there are a few performance issues that might have disappeared if it had been on the next generation of Windows Phone hardware, which I think Nokia is going to be announcing in a few weeks in its last ever uh, Nokia World event. And I would have thought there there won't be a 1020 replacement anytime soon, but maybe next summer there will be something and it will be that smoother experience. So if you're a 808 user who's really happy with their device, it might actually be going, you know, do I upgrade? Well, actually, it's not quite justifiable yet, but it might be next summer. So just uh, some, sharing some thoughts on that, that particular aspect of it. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. The, the, the cameras on the two devices, the 808 and 1020, are equal enough overall if you add all the different pros and cons all, all the advantages and disadvantages that i really couldn't split them i have in front of me the nokia 808 and the 1020 and i've got two sim cards i've got a main sim card and a backup sim card and every day around eight o'clock i think no 
that's just not working for me. And I switched them. <laughs> and, and it's getting really frustrating because Vodafone sends me the settings every single time. Stupid Vodafone. I'm, I have to accept all the beeping. But I, I literally cannot make, make my mind up because the Symbian device does do some things, not just in the hardware, in the software. Things like that. There are the podcatchers on, on Symbian. Jeep, um, Jeep, is it Poddy and Podcatcher? Um, they're they work far better because of the complete multitasking and they don't keep forgetting where you got to and they, they download properly in the background because it's a multitasking OS. On Windows Phone, I've done this feature after feature after review after review on podcasting software and they all have compromises and they all stop working. They all let me down because it's not a fully multitasking OS. At the same time, there are things that the Windows Phone OS does, and especially in terms of media consumption. We mentioned that there. Things like Netflix and YouTube and, and web browsing. It's just so much easier on Windows Phone because it's all designed for that. It's more modern. So I'm completely torn. I, I, I literally do want the best of both operating systems in the one device in the one piece of hardware and i don't care which camera you pick the 808s or the 1020s but i want it all in one and i can't and uh like the usual joke about rubber banding the two together <laughs> or keeping them in two separate pockets with two separate sim cards which is what, what i've ended up doing yeah. uh, uh, and for me actually the the thing that kind of stops me going back to the 808 is actually the text input when you're doing things like email or entering addresses i do find it a lot easier on windows phone it is the old chestnut of you get familiar with whatever you're using but i think everyone's familiar with the keyboard on symbian if they've used it on another smartphone they can probably share that experience and that frustration uh, and you're right about the kind of the particularly the multitasking now windows phone's got a lot better in that respect and each update uh, seems to be a bit of an improvement uh, for me the podcasting now works i'm using an app called podcast lounge which does do updates uh, in the background but it's not quite in the same way as somebody, I mean, calling it uh, it's saying it's got multitasking or it doesn't actually kind of misses the complexity of the picture because all of these operating systems actually multitasking one way or another they just tend to limit yeah, yeah. things i mean that, that applies to android and ios as well um and windows phone has these kind of background apis that make things like skype and voip work but you know that's actually a good example of where a symbian device still is the best smartphone you can get if you're doing voip regularly and trying to tie into a enterprise network or a consumer one <laughs> You know, honestly, those seem to work more reliably on the Symbian devices. It's integrated, I guess, at a lower level. Now, Android, iOS, and Windows Phone all now support that to some extent, uh, but it tends to be around particular services. You know, you've got uh, an app that will support that on Android and uh, on Windows Phone and iOS, whereas on Symbian, you can actually put the settings in. Uh, if you know what you're doing, at least, and it's a bit complicated to set up sometimes, but it does work and it seems to work flawlessly. Uh, I, I guess each of those use cases, I mean, we talked about this before, do seem to be reducing in number. And then it becomes about, you know, what kind of operating system philosophy do you most like? And I think we've kind of said before that Android and Symbian, I think, share a lot of similarities, um, but don't yeah. necessarily switch to that because of that. Each of um, iOS and Windows Phone also offer their own, you know, unique attributes. Uh, for me, what appeals about Windows Phone, I think, is the, the clarity of the design. And that's partly because it's the youngest platform. So it feels like less has been added on. It'll be interesting to see how long that's maintained when Windows Phone gets its own notification system, for example, or other add-ons, if you like. Um, and that's also in the hardware. I mean, we've talked about Nokia purity in hardware just earlier in this podcast. And I think most people will understand what I mean by that. And I think that does tend to extend into the software. So it's why I've often said I feel Windows Phone is more suited to 
you, know, you go and choose a person off the street, they'll get on better with that because it's simpler to use, it's easier to use. Um, it does mean that sometimes it's missing some of the uh, functionality in Android. It doesn't have that same list of feature sets and the same would apply with a comparison to Symbian. But it gets 95, 99% of the way there, depending on who you are. And that, you know, clarity of experience, that simplicity of experience will often be more important. It's just easier to use. You don't have to kind of have, go through a learning curve. Of course, that's, it, you get used to what you use. And so there may be a bit of, well, I'll be happy to say there's a bit of bias coming in there, uh, but I've recommended it to various people and they've tried, you know, who've been on Android and sort of say it's a, a night and day difference. And you see that coming back in some of the user feedback scores, you know, it's consistently rated quite highly. And, uh, I guess if you're from the Symbian world, you may be uh, placed less of a priority on that because you've stuck with a, a platform that certainly, I think it's fair to say, has its idiosyncrasies and has its yeah. annoying bits of configuration and all of that. But uh, yeah, it's not it's not an easy decision. Um, if you're looking to sort of switch and you haven't absolutely made up your mind yet, it's not a bad idea to go and have a look at some of the cheaper devices. You can pick up an Android device very cheaply and a, Symbian, uh, a Windows phone device very cheaply in the form of the Lumia 520 to kind of experiment. And it could then be a backup phone before, you know, committing to buying one of the more expensive devices. I'm not sure how uh, realistic that is for everybody out there, but a, a possibility at least. Um, yeah. The one thing I think you do have to be aware of, Windows Phone does still have uh, an app gap compared to iOS and Android, uh, but it's uh, a night and day difference to Symbian. So if you think you're happy with the app situation on Symbian, you'd be perfectly happy with the app situation on Windows Phone. Yeah, yeah indeed. I, I thought a few moments ago there you were going to do a, a, a slinky segue into a whole chat about whether Nokia should have gone down the Android route. <laughs> no, let's not go there, especially because we're running Next long. time. But, um, <laughs> another time um thank you very much for listening uh, a goodbye from rafe i guess yeah goodbye from me uh, we've waffled quite a bit well i've waffled quite a bit steve has been a usual concise self but we would like to hear your opinions on this uh, software situation and nokia's door both what you think of the you know, actual news and also what would work for you in terms of a kind of replacement or an easy way of downloading and installing apps in the future Lovely. Okay. And uh, yes, you can probably catch us, maybe not in a couple of weeks' time again. <laughs> I think we're on a monthly schedule again, so we'll try and do another podcast at the start of November, unless something else major happens. So I uh, guess thanks for listening and goodbye for now. <laughs>